everyone. Welcome to another episode of Spirit Walking with Asa Hoffman. And we are in the series, The Perspective on the Reemergence. Um, and as you probably already know, tonight we have a really interesting guest coming on with me. Um, but before I get to her, I just wanted to also give a quick shout out to Georgie Greville, who came on last week, uh, Georgie Greville from Milk Makeup, and Tessa Hirsch, who I think uh, just the two of them uh, gave so much from their heart and their soul, and it was just two really fabulous interviews. Um, I decided to uh, break them up into a part one and a part two, and uh, posted them to the podcast series. So if you haven't uh, heard those yet, um, you should definitely check them out. Uh, just go to any podcast platform, type in Asa Hoffman, and uh, you'll see Spirit Walking with Asa Hoffman, and it's the last two that I posted. Anyway, um, tonight I have uh, Amelia, uh, Ortiz, who um, uh, I'll tell you, the first time that I ever met her, she had come to me for a session. Our friend, uh, some of you guys might remember, Dr. Kamau Kokai uh, had sent her to me. And, uh, and he told me, he said, you know, I have somebody I really want you to meet. Uh, and just send me a thank you text after you connect with her. <laughs> um, and it's really funny. I sit in my office often before my clients come and I I connect with them and uh, with their energy before they come, with any guides they might have. I try to open up um, and spend some time uh, making that energetic connection before I actually see them if possible. Uh, for me, it, it strengthens the whole experience um, uh, between us. So when I did that for Amelia, when she was coming on, coming to me, um, it was interesting because when I started to open up and reach out uh, and connect with her energy, I suddenly noticed that the room was full. <laughs> I had a, a group of ancestors who were in the room with me, checking me out. Um, and it wasn't, there was nothing harsh about it. It was, uh, you know, there was nothing, you know, ghetto in, in the energy. It was just sort of like, yeah, we, we just want to see who you were. You know, it's all right. <laughs> uh, and then a few minutes later, she walked in. And uh, when she did, it was like a bright light. Uh, shining, and we've just been connected ever since. Um, Amelia is a, a bruja. She's a, a mental health act, uh, advocate. Uh, she's a healer, uh, and just an all-around around amazing person. So, um, if we could visit, uh, bring her up, that would be great. Um, and honestly, I promised uh, when I started this that I was going to bring on some of the most interesting people that I know, and and really. Uh, Diverse is what I've been looking for. The diversity of people who with diverse ways of walking in the world, because I think that's how we learn and grow. Is not by just spending time with the people that we know or that, that are homogenous to who we are, but spending time with people who also maybe show us another way of walking in the world. And you know, Amelia does that in such an amazing way and with so much heart and so much love. And I just cannot tell you how happy I am to have you here. So thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I appreciate that you always speak so highly of me. <laughs> well, this is exactly how I feel. Um, and, and it really was. I don't know if I ever even told you that story, but like I was sitting in the room and I yeah. opened up and literally there were these ancestors. They were like, you know, they yeah. weren't like, they were just like, okay, yeah, you, you seem okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they tend to be like, I just want to know who you are first, and you know. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of family, uh, just wanted to first check in. How are you? How's CJ? How's your mom? 
We are good. My mom is good. I mean, you know, as good as somebody who works in education, um, she's a guidance counselor in a school, you know, as much as um, you can be good in these times, you know, between all the craziness. Um, me and CJ are good. He's great. Um, enjoying, in a sense, being able to, you know, have some downtime as an artist, but also a little anxious because, you know, he want to get back out there. So we could otherwise, though. Yeah. And uh, how has it been as a couple to be, you know, going through quarantine together? Has it been a positive experience, a difficult one, a little bit of all of the above? It's probably a little bit of both because I mean, to be honest, you know, everybody's having some sort of bumping of heads at a point because you guys are spending, you know, um, an even more kind of, you know, a copious amount of time together. And I mean, for us, we already spend a lot of time together and, you know, we're living together and stuff. So that made it kind of easy for us transition wise with all this. But we definitely still bump our heads like most couples do. You know, we just find our way through it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a part of it. I did see, uh, how long ago was it? There was a post at one point about love languages. I don't know. You know what? I yes. It might have been a while ago. I don't know because I sort of... Yeah. It was a while ago. Um, it was like a few months ago, I think back in like the fall, I think, or like, you know, early winter, I think is when, or around then, around like the fall. Exploring love languages affected your relationship? Um, I think that for us, like, it's been helpful to have an open dialogue about it. Um, we have similar but different um, love languages, and they kind of do work well together. Um, so that's been helpful. But at the same time, there are moments where we do both have to communicate to one another, like, hey, I'm not getting enough of this, you know, I, I kind of need that. Um, but having that open, honest dialogue has been a lot better um, as far as navigating, you know, through having different love languages. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that we also learn so much about ourselves navigating that with our partners, right? And how we, because sometimes we have a certain love language and then we get it, but then we sort of yeah. judge also where it comes from. I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to grow through that. Yeah. Uh, I think, listen, right now, anything that helps us learn how to grow through our communication is really important. Uh, given where the world is right now, uh, learning how to hear each other, how we receive from others, how we put out our stuff into the world. Uh, it's its such an important time around that. Yeah, super important. Um, you know, and I think a lot of us are being tested with that, you know, in all of our relationships, romantic or friendship, family, you know, I think, especially family with this whole quarantine thing, I think a lot of people are recognizing the different love languages that they have um, in comparison to their family members and trying to navigate, you know, um, being honest about that because it's not like you can just dip out for the night, you know, the way we could before and go complain to your friends about it, you know, or get it off your chest. No, you have to just literally go to the other room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see myself out for a few minutes. <laughs> So you have an interesting, you know, you know, byline here with, you know, Bruja, mental health advocate, healer. Uh, I also know that uh, you're a cannabis advocate. Like there's just, there's a lot of layers gone. Reiki, healer. I'm a layered cake. Layered cake. <laughs> so I want to know where those layers started. You know, I'd love to know a little bit first as far as the Bruja, like how did that 
really become a part of your life or how far does that go back so for me it goes back um you know like pretty far even in childhood like my father used to you know call me um mi brujita you know like my little bruja my little witch um because between my sensitivity and my connection with nature it was just one of those things where especially in like um you know Puerto Rican culture it's just a given plus it was something that in his side of the family um had been practiced by different um family members you know in their own way everybody got their own thing um and so as I got older, you know, there was even a point where I made um, crystal bracelets for people when I was a kid. And I was very particular about who got what and, you know, um, between spirits and also just my own intuition. I was very like, no, no, you need this one for that. And no, 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 you get that one. Um, so I guess for me, like it even started in childhood in ways that like until I was an adult, I didn't quite recognize. Um, and you know, being somebody who as far as the way that I dreamt, even as a kid, you know, I would end up waking up and going to my parents and telling them, you know, X, Y, and Z happened in my dream and I felt it and I knew what was going on. And, you know, it was one of those things like astral projection and lucid dreaming were kind of just how I dreamt. So it just showed itself in different ways. And then as an adult, I, um, became more drawn to having a more like formal practice where I was a bit more um, honest with myself about it because I had always been the friend that everybody would come to and ask, you know, and this was something we had spoken about in, you know, the first time that I met you, you know, I'm who everybody came to ask, you know, well, what do I do about this? And I just always knew somehow, which is why they'd ask me, um, or I had all this understanding of different um, herbal uses and things like that, which were really, um, you know, I guess like the foundation of my Bruja work and understanding how to work with different plant energies and things like that, not just for like spell work, but also for healing because the two really do go hand in hand. Um, you know, whether it's a banyo recipe or something, you know, and I guess like it, it's interesting because there was times where I kind of denied it because there was that piece of being told by people outside of my family that it wasn't, you know, you don't do that. That's not good. And just wanting to keep that private. Um, but there came a point where for me, there was no keeping it private. Everything was just so loud. And my spirits were like, girl, you know better. This is not like, you know better. You know, you came here to do work. And I just had to step up to that and kind of, you know, be more open to whatever I could, you know, connect with as far as different elders who guided me um, and also seeking and gaining my own knowledge. Yeah, well, you know what, I also, uh, there was a lot of persecution in Puerto Rico to the old. Uh, so, you know, there are still those people that will approach it from that place, from that fear. Um, although I do think that you know, we're definitely seeing a rise, right? We're definitely seeing, you know, the world waking up and saying, well, wait a second. No, 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 this is a healing art and it's a part mm -hmm. of my culture. Yeah. And people like yourself who aren't willing to deny it. Yeah. Um, what about your father, uh, is it, did, are you saying, did I catch that? Like it's your father's side of the family? Like this is in your family? Yeah. 
And it's one of those things where, you know, like I said, everybody has their own particular way, you know, of doing what they do and practicing. Um, but I remember growing up and hearing my father speak so fondly of certain women, especially on his side of the family who practiced and, you know, the things that they were capable of doing and also even the way his, um, his own mother had helped to ensure that he was able to even um, make it as far as he did just literally living because he was born with a pre-existing heart condition. They had told her, there's no way he's even gonna make it past, you know, being a baby and all that stuff. Um, and throughout all of it, she was able to do all kinds of things that kept him here long enough until he was, um, I believe it was like 15 and he was able to get this experimental open heart surgery which is what saved his life and you know he would say to me you know how public he was about that was a bit of his own personal choice of knowing with discernment who do you share this with but growing up i remember hearing all these stories about things that she would do you know to keep him alive from using cigars to get rid of his fever all kind you know with other things included um to do that all kinds of stuff so it was one of those things where i had a conflict of you know my family um in certain ways respected and you know appreciated this art form in the many ways that it represents itself in our culture but at the same time, there's so many people outside of that who did not celebrate and honor and see, you know, just how um, healing that magic could be, right? Everybody just has this idea of, oh, this is, you know, this is bad and this is going to be used for bad things. Um, you know, even, you know, even people that I, um, like even my mom can recall times where my abuelita did um, the uh, clean, you know, my father's mother did the cleansing with the egg using like a, you know, an egg for the cleansing. And that's how open in a sense it was in my family as far as the practices went, you know, and it just being part of what we did, like it was just the thing, you know, and so it which is very interesting to see how there was such a vast difference in how other people viewed all of that when for me I was like oh that's just shit my grandmother you know my grandmother did to take care of us and make sure everybody was good and my father used to talk about this like it was so great I don't know why everybody is so like you know this is not good and so that was a journey for me too that understanding well and I think you know I mean, I think a lot of it has been driven out historically to take power from the people, right? Yeah. It's been a way to control people, manipulate them, and take power from them. And, you know, uh, there are those people who, you know, feel like when they see people connecting with that energy, with that power, with their own gifts, uh, they feel threatened. They feel like it threatens society. It threatens our, you know, the stability of, of their ideology and, and what they believe uh, the world is made up of, you know, how to, how to keep a a safe, sane world. Yeah. So, you know, yet on the other hand, what's interesting is I hear you talking about it and it's like, uh, and I know you, you know, we know you well enough and we've had enough interaction that, you know, uh, you're, you know, amazing and healer and, you know, magic woman, Instagram influencer. You're also an everyday Brooklyn girl who's got a mom and hanging out and doing her thing. And it's, it's not all fantastic. You know, it's, it's, it's just life and it's about, understanding energy and nature and being connected to that 
and having that be normalized rather than having it have to be something that's so fantastic or other world. Yeah. Uh, I love, there was a quote, I actually wrote it down. Uh, there's a quote from you, uh, magic in this day and age is not the unknown, but making the unknown a part of the everyday. I'm not sure if I said that right, but, uh, but it's like magic is not the unknown, but it's the making the, the unknown a part of every day. And I love that because I think that that's about just waking up in general to who we really are. That's about waking up to the fact that we are energetic beings, that we are nature. We're not, you know, it's not, we should be more connected to nature. We are nature. <laughs> and to be more connected to ourselves because being connected to nature is being connected to, you know, another manifestation of the self. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think there's different, um, uh, there's so many different ways to connect. There's so many different paths to connect, you know, from, you know, listen, really basic, uh, you know, just gardening and connecting with your garden and growing life and being connected that way to, uh, you know, following, you know, traditions and different native traditions um, to the Bruja. Like there's, there's many ways. And I think it's about finding the path that resonates with you. Yeah. Um, how much do you feel uh, that, the fact that this is uh, a path that connects to your ancestors specifically, you know, and that this connects into, you know, this is a part of your bloodlines. How yeah. much is that really, do you feel like that impacts your relationship with the work? I think um, that's like an individual to individual basis. I am not one of those people who believes you have to be a hereditary, you know, witch or bruja, um, you know, or healer. I think that and the reason why I say that is because there's been so much persecution and there's been so much where people sought safety by abandoning certain practices, right? Or shielding them under the guise of other practices and, you know, like patron saints, for example, right? Instead of, you know, or praying to certain saints that are supposed to represent other deities and things and working with them in that way. Um, there's so many different reasons why people may not necessarily have a bloodline connection that they're aware of. Um, but I think that we all have it in us to be able to practice. It's more so about connecting with your energy and your different spirits and such. For me, I feel it is a huge, um, not advantage, but I feel that it's a huge part of my connection with the work because for me, the other piece of this work is connecting with my ancestors so much and working with them literally on an everyday basis, even if it's just me going to my ancestral altar on a daily basis and connecting with them there, you know, and just honoring them and uplifting them, you know, and making offerings um, and supporting them the way that they support me. Um, whether it's with protection, guidance, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I think if anything, that's where it becomes like a matter of importance for me is because we do have this connection in that way. Um, but I know a lot of people tend to do the whole, you know, oh, I am a sixth generation witch. And I think that's wonderful. That's beautiful that your family has maintained that. Um, but I don't think that you know, everybody has to have that bloodline connection the way that some of us do um, to participate and engage in certain practices. Because you might be who has to wake up your family line to connecting with these practices, right? And, you know, I think for me, again, like, it's just, 
that ancestral connection is such a big part of my practice that that's why it matters for me. Um, but not so much about my validity, just more about how my practice is shaped. Yeah. And then was your grandmother a part of your sort of, did she like let you in on the secrets at all, so to speak? Yeah, she definitely, um, you know, and I know that it's very interesting when it comes to grandparents, what they share with you, because sometimes they'll word it in ways where you don't recognize what they're telling you at first. Um, you know, and then you connect the dots. You're like, oh, that's what that was. Um, you know, but she, I spent a lot of time with her when she was going through chemo at a point. And I would, you know, fly down with my father down to Miami to visit her and spend a lot of time with her. And there was a few times I went without him. And every time there was just so much that we ended up speaking about and even stuff that we, my father was very big on letting everybody know. Me and her did not need to speak. We would have a conversation for hours and nobody would hear it. And it was something that remained true even as I got older. We had our way of communicating even without having to speak. And there was so much that she passed down to me, you know, even down to simple like remedies um, and things like that. And teaching me about, you know, um, understanding that we have a connection to, you know, our ancestors, a connection to spirit, a connection to, you know, nature um, that goes beyond what we generally see in the everyday. And the other thing that she did was um, she made what we call um, collares. And a lot of people use that word interchangeably with ebeques, um, which are a separate thing, um, but she would make us collares, which are protective necklaces. And she would, you know, again, the way I was with crystal bracelets, we're very particular about who got what and why they got prayed over, you know, and all that stuff. And I remember that was one of my favorite things was to just sit with her while she made them and to just watch her do her whole process. And, you know, when she um, would place them on you, it I, was one of the most like, I don't want to say invigorating, but it was like one of the best experiences I've had in life, even though it was such a simple act because you literally felt it. You felt all the energy that she put in all the blessings, all the, you know, ashe that she put in. And it was just so profound. And things like that were also part of what taught me about everything um, was understanding that, you know, it's you who put that, you know, who puts that work in your spirits work through you as you do that, but you are the vessel, you know, you are the instrument. Um, you know, there's just a lot of different things. But that one in particular, I have to say was one of my favorites. Um, because it really stuck with me. And even things down to like with healing work where um, there was a time I had a really bad period when I was down there and she, um, you know, they tried all the things, all the, all the nasty teas that I didn't want to drink, all the stuff. I drank it all like a good girl, but I did not want to. None of it worked. So I remember she took me into the room and she made me lie down. She put some stuff on my stomach and on my pelvic area. And she was, and she told me, you have to do circles in this way, you know, and showed me a certain way to do circles um, with my hands with, you know, to take away and to bring in kind of things. So there were little things here and there that we also did in private um, that really 
were very essential in my understanding of witchcraft because then even as I got more formal with my own practices, you know, there's that piece of going clockwise or going counterclockwise for certain reasons. And that was kind of, you know, the foundation of, oh, I, now I know why you were talking about that, you know, in your own way. And um, I have to say, like, it's a blessing to have been able to have that opportunity. Yeah, that is a blessing. And, you know, witches are the healers. Did it, did it help when she took you in the room after the herbals? Did that take care of the period? I was gone. I literally went to sleep in about five minutes. I woke up about 30 minutes later and I was fine. That was it. I was fine. <laughs> Probably thought we're going to move you out of the way so that this can process because you're hanging on to it a little too hard. So mm -hmm. let me move a little energy and let you sleep. Yep. It did just that. <laughs> so, uh, so how does, uh, you know, Brooklyn Bruja go and become mental health advocate the way you are. Because one of the things I noticed from day one, first time I ever pulled up one of your Instagram posts, it was, it was the, you know, uh, such a, a, an incredible advocate for mental health, but also I just love the information you give. I actually, recently you had a post, um, I saw, uh, let's see, it was about the weighted blankets. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you were talking about the weighted blankets for, for people dealing with, you know, Black Lives Matters and the, the stress that's coming up and, and all that. And, and that's the part, mental health advocate. And also specifically, it seems to me that you're speaking to, you know, uh, uh, to the entire minority community, people of yeah. color, the black community, across the board. Um, so, yeah, I would love to know a little bit more about this. Like, first, you know, what's your entrance to even to paying attention to mental health? I'd love to start there, if you don't mind. So for me, it really, you know, was based in my experiences with my own mental health um, and how that was even spoken about and how it was addressed and such, you know, even having a mom who is a guidance counselor, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be, you know, mental health issues that I deal with. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience certain things when it comes to my mental health, like feeling you know for me there was a big emphasis and I didn't feel like I heard anybody in the mental health you know advocacy community speaking about things in a way that I could relate to or a way that I could connect with and I got really lucky where the first time that I even spoke to somebody about my mental health stuff was in high school um, and it was with this one guidance counselor Miss Perez and, you know, I say it all the time when I get asked about that, she really changed my life. Um, she made such a big difference in my life because she was, was very cute, very teeny tiny, um, you know, Latina woman who had so much heart. She was so just such a strong hearted woman. And she really called me on my shit when I needed it, but also was very supportive in a way where she said, listen, we're going to be honest and have an open, honest dialogue, but I'm going to support you through all of it. And that was something that I was not used to so much, especially because, you know, especially in Puerto Rican families and culture, there's this aspect of, we don't talk about that. Like there's literally just this thing. We don't talk about that. We don't do that. No, we don't talk about that. We don't have those problems. And you know, especially having a father who was Afro-Puerto Rican, there was this emphasis of being like this strong Black Puerto Rican man in the world. And we don't have those problems or we don't talk about those problems. Um, you know, there's that issue of sometimes if you do speak about those things, 
um, especially in regards to other people in your family, like you can ask questions, right? And still people are going to say that you're being disrespectful. Um, you're speaking out of turn, all kinds of things. Um, and so I felt like we need to have more of an open, honest dialogue about this the way Ms. Perez had with me. And so I wanted to facilitate that conversation um, and start it because, you know, I know I wasn't the only person who needed that. I knew I wasn't the only person who wanted to feel like I could talk about these things. But I also knew that if somebody else doesn't start and you don't see somebody else doing it, at times we can feel unsafe to do so. And so I often try to talk to, you know, the of color community, especially because aside from relating to the reality of ain't nobody got time for that, which is a, com you know, something that comes up with all that, or being told that you're just lazy if you're depressed or that you're ungrateful, um, you know, all those kinds of things. When it comes to anxiety, it's this whole, like, I don't know why you're like that. You know, why can't you just go do X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, it can be very complicated. And even like with trauma within of color families, there's this piece of, oh, but that's still your parent. That's still your this, that's still your that. Instead of acknowledging like, while that person is that they did, you know, harm you and your mental health in a way. Um, and just helping people to understand like that there's a human part to this experience, right? Everyone's so focused on being spiritual beings, having this human experience that we often get hyper-focused on. I'm just this spirit, you know, in a physical vessel. But the reality is like, we have to tend to the physical vessel, right? And we have to be honest about all of it because mental health is physical health. It can literally affect your physical well-being. And if we don't acknowledge those things the way people do heart problems, right, or high blood pressure, you know, we're going to end up having even more pain and even more trauma that comes out as a result of just neglect when it comes to mental health. And, you know, having this open, honest dialogue has been so helpful, even for me with my own mental health, um, because I've been able to be honest with myself, honest with myself about my depression, about my anxiety, about my own traumas in life. And it's something that has created this opportunity for me to connect with other black and brown women and black and brown people who speak about these things and who feel that it's an issue in our community that we don't have access to services related to mental health with people who look and sound like us because it can be hard to relate to somebody who doesn't look and sound like you when you're talking to them about your problems right there's this piece of feeling like you'll never fully get it right and that's valid you know and so we have to create those spaces right and take the initiative to provide that for each other and to connect each other with mental health professionals or even just things that you can do in the interim if you're not ready to connect with a mental health professional, right? Like such as the weighted blankets. Those are really great for, it's not gonna solve all your problems, but is it going to help you with getting a better sleep if you've had some trauma, anxiety, you know, PTSD, et cetera? Yes, you know, which is a big part of everything. How much, uh, uh, well, actually, you know, uh, do you think shame has a lot to do with, you know, people of color as far as being able to, and, and people in general, 
being able to, you know, claim their mental health issues and their challenges and being able to talk about it. I think that is a big issue, um, even in like rural white communities, you know, I think that's an issue too with the, you know, shame aspect, even rich white people with the whole yeah. shame aspect, you know? Don't you think part of it is actually the patriarchal society actually really exactly. shut down the divine feminine and really pushed yeah. aside the and that's really made it, you know, this patriarchal view of, of, of how we're all supposed to be. And it was also a way of, you know, if we men can, you know, model this, this sort of fake experience, we can also then further diminish the power of the feminine, you know. Uh, so I think that's also a part of it too. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think like, it's such a disservice to all those men who are missing out on the opportunity to receive healing related to their mental health because all that pretending like you're not affected by stuff doesn't help you know it ends up like there's so many people who have spoken about having male family members right who have addiction problems and a lot of the time they'll say you know he wasn't the same after the war or he wasn't the same after he lost his job or you know x y and z and it's like you probably won't be the same after that but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be supported into finding a better quality of life in the process but if you are shutting off access to those things and it's understandable but at the same time you are doing yourself a disservice and society as a whole is doing a disservice with the whole you know just shove your feelings under the rug don't address it just put a band-aid over it that doesn't help so what about the other side? How much do you think, um, uh, so, you know, we're casting spells all the time, right? With our thoughts, with our words, with our, our actions and our, our interactions in the world. And uh, because we lost such a, 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 you know, we watered it down next to nothing, the connection to our spiritual path and to our spiritual ancestors. Um, you know, how much do you think that that being cut off on that level has actually affected mental health? And how much is gaining, uh, this is a really, you know, important question. Do you, how much do you think, or how important do you think it is for us to regain a connection to our energy, to nature, to our spiritual connection in order to heal mental health issues? I think it's very important. Um, and I think what's important to remember about that is that spirituality and spiritual practices look different for everybody. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to follow one specific way to heal your mental health. But I am somebody who fully believes in, you know, holistic healing, where we look at the whole picture and we incorporate the whole picture because that's really important with mental health because mental health is not just going to affect one area of your life it's going to affect all the areas of your life and so you know the same way with physical healing that it's important to address it from all angles and from all factors we need to do the same with mental health because you know our spiritual practices can be really helpful for when we're having hard times with our mental health i know for me there's times where you know, having a much better connection with my spirituality, um, you know, and magical practices has made a big difference in my anxiety. I'm able to do things now that my social anxiety years ago would have completely inhibited me from doing. Um, there's things where when it comes to my depression, where I'm able to not be more optimistic, but find a way to ground myself in understanding that, okay, 
you know, I'm feeling what I'm feeling for a certain reason, right? Or a couple reasons. And I have to take the time to honor that my body and my mind is telling me to take a moment to rest. And, you know, that's that whole thing. A lot of people look at depression as need for deep rest, right? And so I'll take time to reflect and connect and rest and, you know, ask my spirits what's going on to check in with my higher self. And it's something that helps me to be able to, you know, see a light at the end of the tunnel and that I'm going to, and know, like I'm going to eventually get there. It might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but I will in time. And it doesn't fix everything, you know, but it is something that has been a huge support system. And I do think a lot of people um, deal with certain mental health aspects, um, that are connected to their spirituality and whether it's a lack of or doing things that are not necessarily aligned with what they should be doing. Um, you know, because we're all trying to find our way, you know, it's like when you have a bad therapist, you know what I'm saying? Like, does it mean that you stop therapy altogether, but it means maybe you need to find somebody who does a different practice or somebody who is better aligned with you. Same thing with your spiritual practices, you know, as you grow, you need certain things. Well, and I think uh, something you said there, which is about, you know, it doesn't necessarily take it all away, but it can help. It's, it's also realizing it's very empowering for you when you feel like, oh, I can actually notably see my volume, the volume just went down on my anxiety. I'm feeling better. You know, even if it doesn't go all the way away, it, it makes us feel less helpless. And I think that's really empowering and healing it in and of itself. Um, so since we're talking about this, listen, this is perspectives on the reemergence. You know, I've, I've really driven some very, uh, or, or have some definitely driving questions around this um, that are more global. But I just think because of the nature of our conversation, I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about what are some of those things that you could suggest from your, your traditions that, that people might do um, to help them stay, you know, a couple things. One, energetically clean. Let's talk about that. I think that's a really good one. Some energetic hygiene. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I would love to, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Let's start so there. for like energetic hygiene, I'm very big on a few things. Um, one of them in particular is cord cutting. I'm a big advocate for cord cutting. I know that how you do that is different for a lot of people. Sometimes it's just a meditation that you do and a visualization. Other times you might use um, spell candles and also your meditation um, and things like that. You know, you can also use um, like two black candles and a piece of, um, you know, string or thread and as your cord. Um, and you can either cut it as the candles burn or you can tie it to the candles, you know, as they burn. Everybody has a bit of a different cord cutting ritual. Um, but I'm big on at least doing a visualization of that and, you know, a meditation of literally visualizing the chords. I know y'all hear Biggie in the background. Um, <laughs> he swears he's a god dog. Um, but you can literally visualize the chords, you know, and ties that bind um, from you to whatever is not serving your highest good, you know, um, whether it's systems of oppression, it could be people, it could be a memory, you know, there's all kinds of things that we make chords with. Um, and, you know, literally visualizing yourself 
cutting those cords and severing those ties that bind. I'm big on saying it out loud, you know, I sever all negative ties that bind, um, you know, and are not serving the highest good, things like that. Also, I'm big on like accessible kind of ways of cleansing yourself, especially in these times where, you know, even a lot of my herbalist friends are like, I everywhere is out of everything and I can't get shit. Like everything is sold the fuck out. I don't even have no more to harvest. Like everyone's a hot mess about that. I'm big on salt is always available. And it's such a powerful like cleanser, whether you want to stand on a pile of it in your shower because you don't have a bath or you want to take a bath with it, you know, um, sometimes even just casting a circle around yourself with salt and taking time to meditate in that circle and visualizing, you know, energies being dissipated and transmuted. Um, those are some of my favorites because they're accessible and they're really easy. Another thing that I live by is um, using uh, Agua Florida or Florida water, um, you know, for even if it's just a little quick freshen up kind of cleanse, you know, or rose water to clear your aura really quick. You know, there's little convenient things that we can do in this time when we feel so overwhelmed a lot of the time with the influx of news and all the collective energy that's going on. Um, it's important to have like easily accessible things, you know, with keeping your energy clean um, and just owning that. I think something you just said too, uh, made me think of something, which is, you know, realizing like when we have our TV and the news on and, and certain things, or even, you know, watching some, uh, you know, uh, um, bad reality show, you know, <laughs> this, it's all energy coming into your space and especially, you know, being amplified through you because we are amplifiers, as you said, we are the healers, we're the, the spellcasters. Um, and uh, so I think just even taking the time to turn off your electric devices, you know, put your phone on silent, like put it, cast it all aside and just consciously, you know, intend to ground the energy in your home in peace and calm, protection, bringing a space of love, heart, safety, healing, whatever it is, sacred space, you know, um, and just bringing that in and, and turning that on. It's really, yeah. you know, I, I forget to say this because I, I take it for granted because it's what I do. Um, but I forget that, that people might not really think about that, that your home isn't automatically clear and protected and safe. If you, you know, you want to create that space and it is as simple as just turning it off and anchoring it and really claiming it as your space, you know? Yeah. No, that's all true. And then, you know, uh, I love the salt, by the way. Yeah. Uh, this is the idea of making the salt circle mm -hmm. uh, around you and then meditating inside of it. I think that's a, another really good one. How about people connecting with like, if they don't have necessarily a relationship with their guides, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just any suggestions as far as connecting with the guides? So you can, I mean, for me in particular, there's this aspect of, um, you know, we're taught ancestors first, um, you know, and everyone else after. But I do know that some people are not comfortable working with their ancestors, you know, for a variety of reasons, whether it's that, you know, our ancestors were people who engaged in harmful behavior, you know, towards people that we knew in our family or us, you know, there's all kinds of reasoning that you may not want to work directly with them yet. And that's okay. As far as like, um, you know, connecting with your spiritual guides, if you don't necessarily have an established connection with them, 
Um, you know, some people will set up a boveda, but that may not be aligned with your practices. However, I do think everybody should set up at least one altar in their home that is, you know, for their guides to try to sit and meditate at and connect with them. You can, you know, say out loud, um, you know, things like, I call upon my guides of the highest vibration, both known and unknown, to come forth and assist me in this time. You know, I offer you my upliftance and I thank you for your presence in my life, things like that. And just making a note to try to build that relationship with them day by day. I often tell people that like, connecting with your guides is kind of like connecting with a new, you know, partner in a romantic relationship where you have to build the relationship and you have to build a connection. And, you know, it's not a one-way street where they're just going to tell you everything and always protect you all the time and then and not sure, but you have to have this exchange with them where you are actively trying to connect with them. Um, and so I think like even just meditating at your altar every day, you know, you can set up, you know, a candle and a glass of water and keep it really simple if you are not ready to do anything big, but, you know, offering them light and having a, you know, a glass of water as a vessel and also kind of as an offering is really helpful in beginning a basic, you know, kind of connection with them. Um, you know, you can do a lot with a candle and a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and real and some salt. Yes, uh, uh, and realizing that uh, uh, that we all have the ability to, co to connect. You know, we yes. we all have our empathic senses, and we all have the ability to receive. You know, some uh, some experiences may sound more, you know, amazing than others. But but mm -hmm. honestly, when you make that connection, no matter how subtle, it's it's really powerful. Yeah. And we all have them, you know? I think that's one thing that everybody should know is everybody has spirit guides, you know? Some may be louder than others, but we all have at least one member in our spiritual core who chose to guide us. However they chose to guide us, right? Whatever they chose to be their line of communication, um, they're there. And trusting that they're there and you know just working to establish that connection like you said no matter how subtle it may be is really powerful so uh you know one of the things i heard through this whole COVID thing is nature 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 it's so important to connect with nature the other thing i want to bring up what are some of the ways you know you connect with nature so i'm really big on connecting with plants both <clears throat> alive and you know those that have been you know dried or that have been cut to be used in a bath um i think that my favorite way is just literally working with plants even if it's house plants and spending time with them and talking to them you know there's a reason so many of our grandmas used to just talk to their plants it wasn't just to make them grow it's because it was this established connection you know especially for people who may have, um, you know, grown up in a more like countryside type of, you know, where there were more access to nature, um, as opposed to in the city where it's quite limited. Um, my favorite way is really just like, whether it's touching my plants or literally putting my hands in the dirt or putting my bare feet out on the dirt and just being still and trying to be present for all that you know, nature is doing, whether it's the birds outside or the wind blowing through the trees and just taking a moment to be present for that and how that feels and be more of 
an observer um, and just being present for all that's happening because it's so easy to want to become active in it, right? And, you know, get your hands in the dirt and start gardening. And that's really helpful and powerful. But so is sometimes just being still and being present for all that nature is and just allowing it all to present itself to you. Um, it's been something that has been really helpful for me throughout my life. Um, you know, and even with other types of nature, like water, you know, going to the ocean anytime that I've really been troubled in life has been really healing for me and really helpful. Um, and just connecting with nature's ability to assist us, even by just being there, you know, and just being present for it. So one of the reasons why I think that we're being guided to nature, besides the remembering and the, re, you know, making, remembering who we are, um, uh, I also think, listen, I think that this is, there are, there are a lot of forces that are, are out there that are working right now that are of bright light, that are of love, that are driving humanity and the world forward. But there are also a lot of really dark forces at play here. And I don't, I don't talk about this a lot, you know, I'm, I'm more and more starting to just feel like we have to bring this into the conversation and recognize that that, uh, that, that is there. Um, and not to be hypnotized by it, though, to not get so hypnotized by those dark, dark forces that that's where our identity becomes, either fighting that or, or being afraid of that, uh, but more of a, a knowing and an awareness. So I think that the, the connecting with nature and the plants and, and building that around you is also about uh, connecting with our allies and strengthening our life force through connecting with the life force of others and not just humanity, but, but you know, across all breeds of life, uh, all the kingdoms. Uh, I, I wonder in all of that, you know, uh, do you think, um, what am I gonna ask? You know, besides that having its own protective quality, you know, do you think that there's more energy being drained from us protecting ourselves right now? I mean, do you think even people who are unaware are, are like, you know, I just see more and more people either tired or feeling drained or the anxiety and the overwhelm. And I'm wondering how much um, that is because our energy is really stealing us up on a daily basis so that we can move through this, you know, peanut butter thickness of energy that, that's pervasive across the globe right now. I definitely think um, it's a combination of things. You know, I think between how much energy and information we're taking in, how many um, people have access to our lives now and our energy by way of social media and things like that. You know, people, somebody's always watching you kind of thing, you know? And then we're also trying to move through this influx of information um, and just heavy energy of things, so many varying things from, you know, COVID and police brutality and anti-Blackness and racism, you know, there's just so much that we're all trying to move through and find a way to protect ourselves and protecting other people, um, you know, and I think that's something that's really eating away at everybody is all of our collective efforts to continuously do this because I think that's the other difference between now and certain movements of the past and I know that it may seem as if that's not true because a lot of you know um movements literally lasted months right and you know all that kind of stuff the difference is while you know 
in this day and age, it seems like things kind of happen in a microwave. They seem to happen a lot faster, you know, make progress in certain ways. There's this piece of we're still falling into the capitalistic issue of constantly producing something, constantly, constantly, constantly. And I think that's also draining our energy, this need to constantly um, not perform, but to constantly provide information or constantly show up, right? And not honor that part of honoring the growth between those who came before us in certain movements and now is honoring that they didn't have the option for self-care, right? And we do have that option now. And each time we practice that and practice rest so that then we can show up as our best selves in these movements and in these efforts to take care of ourselves and others, we are able to show up as our best self if we take time for acts of self-preservation. And, you know, we're honoring them by taking the time to do that because they didn't have the opportunity to, right? And it doesn't mean completely check out from everything, but it also means take a moment, you know, and take your moment so that you can show up as your best self. But I think that, you know, it's a combination of we're constantly trying to protect our energy, but we're also trying to constantly be aware. We're also constantly trying to do something. And, you know, it's, we're also stressed about, you know, money. And there's so many, I think there's just so many factors at play right now that it's hard for people to not be completely exhausted, you know, energetically, emotionally, it's, it's such a heavy time. And I think that's why we're being reminded to be still for certain moments, you know, and just be present. So I, I want to um, open up to some questions in a second yeah. here, but before I do, I just want to say, you know, one of the things I like to talk about, and you, you talked about self-care and, and, and taking time for yourself and for recharging, and, you know, the greatest protection, uh, the greatest spiritual protection, the greatest protection as an empath, the greatest psychic protection is your own energy, is a strong connection to yourself, anchored in alignment with nature and in having the vitality that you need, not only in your body, but you know, emanating from you and expanding that out from you. That is so important. And yes, and I think everything you just said, letting ourselves get depleted, just doing, doing, doing. We're draining our energy, not just our, our physical energy, uh, but we're actually depleting our psychic resources mm -hmm. as well. Um, and, and at the same time, we're also staying so noisy you know, uh, I love this. There's a lot of research right now talking about the importance of boredom in brain development oh and the importance of boredom in relationship to creativity and how we're sort of filling all of those spaces so our kids don't have boredom. And it's really, it's impacting the creative development of their brains. And it's like, I'm going to say absolutely. And that creativity and that development that happens in boredom is also wholly connected to our psychic spiritual development and entrance into the physical form. So yeah, absolutely. I love everything you said. Um, Lizette, I would love to uh, do a question here. So when you get a sec, if you could bring Mike up on, I know that. He yeah. yeah. All right, Mike, bringing you up. Hi, Amelia. Um, my Hi. name is Mike. I'm a very big fan. I follow on Insta. <laughs> I already know who you are. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, this has been really lovely. And I think a lot of things you guys have been chatting about have been really helpful, um, especially given all the things going on right now. So I just wanted to thank you first off. Um, secondly, 
I have a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> I, have, I have this house plant um, that I've had for a while. I got it when uh, my boyfriend and I first moved in together and we had it like in the window and then we moved apartments and basically it's kind of struggled a bit um, throughout the time we've had it and we've had it for I think four years now mm -hmm. and I've tried a bunch of things. I went to a, a nursery and they told me to get, um, I got a certain type of soil, I repotted it in a bigger plant and I had it up against the window. There are some technical things that definitely aren't ideal for it, which is why it might not be doing well. But I've always felt like I had a connection to this one plant mm -hmm. and I like nursed it back to health um, twice now. Um, and it's not doing well again. And I had to cut one of the like stalks off. It's more mm -hmm. of like a rainforesty type plant. And are there any things that I can do from your perspective that might be good to, um, you know, along with the other things from this kind of like sassy lady at a, a plant shop um, who like judged me for like the, the pot. Anyway, um, are there any things that I can do from your perspective that might be uh, good and healing to the plant? Um, well, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, if I, if you could, I don't know if you know what type of plant you have. Um, I did look it up, but I'm going to screw up the name if I do it now. I can look up, look it up and maybe um, that. Well, usually what I suggest is, you know, especially if it's like a rainforesty type of plant, um, if you have a humidifier, using that around it would be really helpful because they love the moisture and they will absorb it through their leaves. Um, also, you can put um green if you have any green crystals you could put those in the soil that also really helps with them um and it also kind of connects them back with you know the outside world in a sense um but also talking to it every day especially if you feel that you have this really strong connection with it um and asking it where would it like to be you know you can ask it you know do you want to be in this window or do you not even like this window should i put you over here instead i've had a couple that you know um with connecting with them you know there's times where then like you know they let me know and even if it's just an intuitive feeling of like okay no you really don't like being over there right even if they're a plant that supposedly likes to be in a window there's some that I've had where they're like, it's like, mm -mm, no, they want to be in a corner by themselves. And I have to disrespect <laughs> that, um, you know, and understanding that our plants, our house plants can also take, um, you know, kind of um, energetic hits for us and stuff. So there's times where, you know, it doesn't mean somebody's sending you you know, um, Oho or the evil eye, but sometimes they just take in all the energy that's being directed at us, both good and bad. And it can be kind of overloading for them, you know, like while it might be helpful for them, it might also be something that kind of fucks with them. Um, if you want to send me a picture of it um, on Insta, I could definitely help you a bit more with like, you know, specialized for that kind of plant advice. Um, but definitely talking to them, you know, they're kind of like our guides. We have to keep yeah. our relationships strong with them. I'll add to Mike yeah. is, is actually opening your, your heart and from your heart, just sending white light around the plant and then connecting it back to your heart and then talking to them. So opening your heart to the plant and connecting with white light to the plant uh, will help open up the psychic connection. Yeah. That's 
great advice. I mean, Asa always has literally the best advice. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, but that is yeah. so helpful. And I will try that. It's funny when you said, is there another place? I instantly was like, I know where she wants to be. And I just denied it because I'm like, oh, she needs all this light. But I know she kind of wants like a darker corner. And I've always thought that, but I just have like denied it because I'm just like, I think plants like light. <laughs> Oh, no, not all of them. So you yeah. got to honor, you got to honor that intuitive cue to uh -huh. go and put baby in the corner. This might be one baby that likes to be put in the corner. Yes, that's <laughs> so great. Well, thank you so much. I might follow up with a picture and, you know, you don't have to, I know everyone's so busy. You don't have to take the time to respond, but if you do, that would be great either way. But thank you so much. I got you. Um, awesome. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I've got a couple other questions here. I've got to read off to you, Amelia. So one was, um, uh, well, you know, here's an easy one. So your family and ancestors, have they, um, uh, the work they practice, is it native or African in origin or both? Actually, it's both um, because um, my father's side, you know, especially with Afro-Puerto Ricans, there's this aspect of um, the Taino culture, which is indigenous and native. Um, and there's also the, um, you know, kind of Yoruban influence, depending on your practice, but there is a lot of heavy African um, influence in these practices um, that I not only grew up in, but also have been, um, you know, more called to connect with going forward. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, for that. And uh, let's see, the other one was, um, so somebody wrote, and, and I'll put it out to you here, that the last week and a half, they've been extremely tired. Can't, uh, they can sleep for many more hours than normal. Um, the cause feels outside of what's affecting them physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, been using regular tools and have added more quiet time and nature connection, but feels like it's just keeping their head above water. Mm. Any suggestions or any thoughts about that? Um, I would definitely try doing something that, um, you know, I know everybody has different um, practices, but, and I, you know, try to honor that, but I'm definitely big on like spiritual baths and things like that, whether it's working with the energy of certain plants, or like I said, using salt, um, pink salt is really great for that, especially, um, it's got this nice, you know, warm vibration, but is also very cleansing and powerful, um, you know, connecting with that could be helpful. Um, you know, even doing some cord cutting could be really helpful if you're feeling really weighed down and like you're just keeping your head above water and that it's something outside of you. Um, because, you know, energetic cords that we make, they can really drag us down, like literally weigh you down like some chains and also drain you. Um, and as far as like, other things, I think it's important to try to get some bit of movement going that doesn't have to be about, you know, going out in nature. It can literally be you dancing in a room for five minutes and getting some, you know, of that good energy flowing and feeling the vibrations of some of your favorite music. Um, you know, those can be really powerful when it feels like everything else you're doing is just too much, um, you know, or not making much of a difference. And sometimes just also honoring that maybe you have to just take a moment to rest and take a moment to be present for, okay, this is probably a call for me to be a little bit more diligent with my energy on a regular basis, right? And taking this time to recharge and kind of, you know, reassess what you do for protection um, and energetic practices, such as 
maybe when you end your work day, you know, or you end, you know, um, coming home from or ending a conversation with a friend, right, who might be a little too draining, but you love them, you know, making sure that you're diligent about cleansing your energy or cutting some cords, you know, and checking that shit at the door kind of thing um, can be really helpful. Um, but it's, you know, kind of hard with the times. Well, I want to add to that. And I think everything you said was spot on great. Uh, the thing I will add actually goes back to something we were talking about earlier when we were about doing certain, uh, you were about doing, you know, certain energetic or magical work would help, you know, lessen the anxiety or help you manage it, but it didn't necessarily make it all go away. So one of the things I would say uh, to the person asking this is, um, number one, realize like maybe you are just going to keep your head above water because maybe that you're being that impacted by what's going on in the world. And if you have kids at home or a partner or, you know, work and other responsibilities, if, if the work that you're doing is keeping your head above water so you can get through it, maybe what you need to do is just honor that and just mm -hmm. be grateful that you have, that you're able to keep your head above water and let yourself build on feeling like that's enough for the moment. And that may actually help strengthen you so the next thing you do will have more power. Because what we tend to do when we're in that state is to feel negative about the fact of just keeping our head above water. And then that actually disempowers the things that we're actually doing to help us during that time when, when they're actually are working for you. Um, and the other piece I wanted to add, uh, there were a couple things in there. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about empaths, uh, and I know you talk about empaths. Um, and I'm going to tell you, you know, if you uh, are a physical empath, you know, you are going to have more physical drain, especially during times when the world is, is as upside down as it is right now. And so you might just want to cut a cord with the world for a moment, just, you know, whatever's happening in humanity as a whole. And I just, I need to cut the cord with that and be separate from that. So my body can restore because uh, it will have a really, it'll have a high impact on all impacts, but especially the physical impact. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to add that into it. The other one, uh, somebody said, uh, you know, that they've tried to use journaling to uh, let go of the hard things that they've been through. Um, you know, but the baggage around these things just doesn't seem to go away. Any tips? I'm talking to us, yeah, you know, I had five ideas that came up in my head and I'm like, eh. <laughs> bring it on. Um, you know, I think like there's so many, like I totally understand why you had like five things come to mind immediately because there are so many alternatives, um, you know, as opposed to journaling. I'm big on sometimes if journaling is not enough, but I've been finding some relief from it, I will burn what I wrote. You know, and maybe that's because I'm a fire sign and I love fire, but <laughs> I am a very big advocate for that because you can then release that, you know, especially um, I like to sometimes do like a really good full moon release kind of thing if I have something really heavy. And, you know, after I burn what I write down and everything, you know, I'm out, I'll make sure that I go outside or if I'm not able to go outside, I'll at least release it, you know, out my window. But I make sure that I, you know, am putting it behind me, like kind of, you know, over my shoulder. So as to symbolically put it behind me, um, that's more so if you want to go the ritual route. Um, you know, there's other things that you can do, such as like regression work, where you, you know, then go back and address and heal in that situation that generally records, I mean, requires somebody to assist you. Um, but also honoring, I think that 
some of these things are not going to go away because we journaled it out or we went to therapy or we did all the things, you know, and understanding that they serve a purpose in a certain regard. And it doesn't mean that their purpose is to make your life miserable, but it can sometimes be a purpose in a sense of now that this has happened, it is now letting you know that you have to honor that you have had some traumatic experiences with people or situations and honoring that you've had trauma and being able to actually honor trauma because that's something that a lot of us have not actually been taught how to do you know there's this aspect of like we just need to move on right instead of finding a way to incorporate it into our life where we honor that that happened to us and it's that piece of you know this happened but i'm you know understanding that my trauma does not define who i am or what my life is going to be, or who will enter my life. Um, you know, those are some really great things to do, um, you know, and work on, especially when you're dealing with experiences that you just can't seem to shake. Um, you know, and if you do have a connection with your guides, I'm really big on connecting with them and asking them for assistance in those kinds of situations. Like, you know, because I find that they can be very helpful and giving us a heads up, like, you know what, hey, well, why don't you do, you know, they don't say, why don't you, but they'll tell you, you should do something um, instead kind of thing usually, um, or they'll lead you to something that is helpful for you. You know, for me, there's been all kinds of things that they've led me to do that then, you know, at first I was kind of like, I don't know that this gonna help me. And then I did it and after I was like, okay, all right. I, I see why y'all said to do that now. This makes sense. Um, and it's something that ends up becoming like a personal thing for me that was essential in my own journey. And I think that's the thing with those experiences is connecting with your heart space and understanding what is this telling me that I need more of in my life? Do I need more support around this? Is that part of why I can't move on? Because, you know, I have created closure for myself in a sense, but I haven't received any outside support or affirmation, um, you know, and I know it's not good to be dependent on others, but I think we have to acknowledge that it's part of the human experience is this human connection to one another. And we can't just shut that off. You know, we do need that support too. Yeah. I know you have a bunch of ideas, so I would love to hear yours too. I mean, first of all, I love the burning. You know, people, if you don't know this, ritualistically, you can use fire to expand your creative ideas and to put your prayers out this way. And you can also use it to burn away and to release. And so I sort of love, and I love the multi uh, layers that you gave in there, like also about bringing it into the heart and into our guides and bringing that in. You know, the thing I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say is, uh, as far as getting help from others, you know, a couple things here. You know, uh, number one, you know, realize that we can do the work and, and, and we do all the journaling and all this stuff to process what's in our head and, and all that, but it's ultimately to open us up and get us in our body and to realize like all the mental work in the world isn't gonna transform us if we don't learn how to release it in the body and the body is where it's held. So we have to work on realizing that like now that you've processed it, it's like hopefully to create enough mental space so that when you're triggered, you can pause and catch that in your body and say, oh wait, I'm choosing a different path. Let me 
surrender this in my body for the moment, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean the emotion's going to go away, but even if you just literally physically relax your body, you allow that emotion to move through you in a different way and your unconsciousness begins to let it go. So it's also retraining our, our physical response in that because mm-hmm. um, there's a whole chemical process happening in your brain uh, mm-hmm. connected to trauma, connected to uh, the hard things in our life, you know, and we get, we get real used to feeling bad real fast. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's not our fault, you know, air quotes, it's, uh, you know, but it is something that won't change if we don't work with it and wanting to change it, talking about it and writing about it alone won't change it. We actually have to move the pattern in our bodies. Um, so even all the rituals love them, but remember that the ritual is to move the physical energy. If you're expecting to cast a spell and everything changes with no effort in yourself. And obviously I'm not saying by the way, Angelica, that you're not, you're obviously taking effort, you're journaling, you're doing things. So, but, but what I'm saying is the effort to actually feel different in your body. Mm-hmm. It's a different, it's an internal effort. Um, and it's a really important piece to be added in. And the last thing that might help, you talked about getting help and other practitioners, you know, you might want to work with a healer, not just to heal what's bad, broken, or historically traumatizing to you, but you might not actually want to work with a healer to experience what it feels like to feel good in your body and to feel free of that, to actually approach the healing from the opposite end. Yes. So, yeah, those are some things. Um, so listen, I want to come back to you. Uh, I think, let's see, did we, I will ask one other one here. Do you have any advice on insomnia? You might have an easy one. They said besides weighted blankets. Um, weighted blankets are great, but also literally creating a bedtime ritual around getting yourself ready for sleep. And I know that sounds a little out there, but we do it with babies. And I literally, it's so funny. I spoke about this the other day. You know, think about what we do with babies to get them ready for bedtime, you know, especially like a fussy toddler, right? There's a whole process from, okay, we're going to have bath time now. You're going to have a nice warm liquid after, whether it's milk or something else. We're going to give you a nice warm liquid to drink after. And then we're going to lay you down. We're going to play soft music or we're going to speak slowly to you. You know, um, I would definitely say disconnecting from your devices, um, you know, at least 30 minutes before you're trying to go to sleep. If you want to keep on like an audio book playing, that's one thing, but make sure that the blue screen, you know, your screen is off and you're not like being exposed to the blue light because that does interfere with insomnia. Um, But having tea that you like, just the warm, you know, liquid really does help to soothe the body and help you to get more into that like bedtime state. But make your room a sanctuary for sleep. Also, don't make it a workspace if you can help that, you know, try to make it a sacred space for you to rest, whether that's sleeping, sleeping, or just being comfortable and in a relaxed state. You know, the other one, because uh, you mentioned plants earlier, you know, a lot of people work with the tea, like chamomile tea and lavender and different things and the oils. But honestly, I also really like, get the plant. It's yes, uh, next to the bed. That's right. And actually connect with the plant and wrap your energy with the plant's energy, make that connection and ask the plant, the chamomile or the lavender to help you remember how to rest how to feel that in your body and, and really begin working with the plant medicine and the spirit ally of the plant because that plant has a consciousness 
and it will communicate and connect with you if you open yourself up to it. So, you know, we, we're so programmed towards um, uh, allopathic medicine to, you know, put something in our mouth, you know, to medicate it in some form or another that even when we approach the natural, you know, we're still often approaching it from that place. And I think it's really an important time to remember the magical properties of herbs of nature, um, but also, you know, behind the magical properties, the consciousness in nature and that we can connect with that consciousness and it has something to share with us, each and every one of them. Um, uh, and it's funny because I was going to ask you about bedtime because I actually read in one of your interviews about you have a bedtime ritual where you cleanse your aura uh, and honor your ancestors, I believe. Yeah, so I'll do, you know, it varies on what I do to cleanse my aura. Like it depends on if I had, you know, been at an event and I was around a lot more people or if I was at a homegirl's crib and we had a really heavy conversation or I just was cleansing myself after my day kind of thing. Um, but I'll do that. And then I will literally sit at my altar or stand at my ancestral altar I'll connect with them. I'll talk to them. There's times where, you know, I'll offer them, um, you know, tobacco smoke, or I'll literally just pray to them and talk to them about everything that happened in my day. I'll thank them for ensuring that I made it home safely, you know, and I'll also converse with them about like, listen, I'm getting ready to go to bed. Please ensure that whatever I do in the dream world and in the astral that like, I'm good, I'm protected, you know, that I am um, in as much control as possible over my actions, you know, in the dream world and stuff. So that if I do have to fight somebody, I don't feel like I'm swinging through water. Um, I know everybody's had that feeling. We feel like you're moving in slow-mo and you're just like, but why? Like, you know, that's not fun. Um, but I'll make sure that I connect with them. And I just take my time to really like honor that we have this connection that is ongoing and that I'm about to enter a space where, I'm going to be on the same plane as them, so to speak, you know, when we do go to sleep and end up in the astral and stuff, um, you know, there's this piece where we are able to have like a different connection, right? They, you know, people have dreams with their ancestors all the time or dreams where, you know, your grandmother comes to you, right? Or somebody comes to you and, you know, I'll just make sure that I'm connecting with them before I go to that space. And it's really very soothing for me. Um, you know, and even if I don't, you know, there's times where I tell them like, listen, I don't need no messages right now. If you have something to say, I'm not going to tell you to be quiet. Like, but you know, I just wanted to let you know that I love y'all that I, you know, that there's ones who I knew in this life that I'm, you know, making special note of, like, I'll let them know, like, I really miss you. I wish that I could hug you. Um, you know, if you want to come and hug me in my dream tonight, that's cool. You know, but I'll set that tone and have that connection with them um, because it really does help me to, you know, there's that piece of like a baby, you know, I would have said goodnight to my parents, right? Or I would have said goodnight to so-and-so. And I take that time to say goodnight, so to speak, and have my, you know, moment with them. And I have to say, it really does help with at least soothing me, um, you know, if I've had a really rough day, especially. And soothing me enough where I'm able to then actually focus on the next task at hand, which is that I'm going to rest. Awesome. Uh, Rico, is it Rico? Who's your bird? The oh, yes, Rico, Rico, yes. Oh, he's a, uh, a conjurer, right? Yeah he's a, yeah, he's a green sheet con, yeah. 
Kanye, that's it. It's uh, I used to uh, I used to work I used to manage a bird department of a pet store many 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 years ago, and I used oh to feed the babies and tame yes. them, tricks and all kinds of stuff. The so. best. I feel like that's like the best part when you get to just deal with the babies, especially. Oh my god, they're so cute. So cute, but uh, but I love that he he picks cards for you. This yes. Is- I did not teach him. Like, I wish I could say that I taught him so I could tell people how to do it and, like, you know, make a whole video and make money off that shit. Because <laughs> it's all those bird trading videos, but, like, he just does it. Like, I literally was pulling cards for myself one day, and he started pulling ones. And he was, it's funny, he is often very particular. There's times where he'll pull from the bottom, you know, and I'm just like, okay, that's where you want it from. That's fine. I don't know if you noticed, like, right before George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, he pulled the death rebirth card. Uh, oh. He was on it. And, uh, and you know, I'm definitely in particular. So I was, I was uh, so in tune. It's a little wild. And like, even at the beginning of like COVID, you know, one of the first cards that he pulled um, during that whole thing was the rest card. And it was literally at the peak where everybody was getting all crazy and doing all kinds of shit that they shouldn't have been doing. Like where it was a moment of like, yo, the message of this is to just for the moment, you know, pump the brakes, rest. I have to tell you since, uh, so I love Rico. I love him pulling the card. I think it's great. It's also uh, an awesome reminder of our, you know, your psychic connection and his psychic connection uh-huh. working together. I think that's so cool. Well, I thank you so much for being here tonight. It was Great to have you on. Thank you uh, for having me. Have a great night, Amelia. Bye, everyone. Bye.